Are you a prepper or homesteader looking to connect with like-minded people in your area? Looking to start your own preparedness group? Already have a group? Well, look no further than PrepperNet. PrepperNet is dedicated to personal responsibility, individual freedoms, and being self-reliant. PrepperNet has monthly meetings in over 100 cities where you can meet and learn with like-minded people in your area. PrepperNet, where preppers unite. Find us online at PrepperNet.com. Survive. Thrive. Stay alive. It's time to get prepared with the Prepping Academy Podcast. Now, guys, I'm going to introduce you guys to Joe and Amy. But as I introduce you guys, I want to roll back in time just a little bit. I want to roll back. I think this was probably six or seven years ago. Okay. And I introduced these people before on my podcast and it was a total disaster. You can tell I, I was so nervous. You could tell I didn't know. Well, not that I know what I'm doing now, but you could tell I didn't know what I was doing and I'm going to, this is audio only. So I want you guys to listen to me. Um, I don't even know if they remember this, how bad I was, but this was, I think like six years, I wrote the date down and I didn't put it in the, in the actual title, but so guys, I want you guys to listen to this and this is embarrassing and that's why I think it's hilarious. So here we go. Let me turn the volume up a little. Here we go. Well, let me tell you last weekend I was at the, um, the, um, mother earth news conference and, um, Dr. Bones and nurse Amy had a booth right down the aisle from me. And I went down there, and I met them at Prepper Camp years back, um, and they probably didn't remember me, but we absolutely started talking. They came down and hung out in my booth. But let me tell you a little bit about, it's actually John Alton and Nurse Amy, Amy Alton. Um, they're both, um, doctor. he is a real doctor. So he is a real doctor. She is a real registered nurse. They have a number one, the number one bestseller is what I'm holding right here. It was the number one bestseller, the Survival Medical Handbook. Um, they have many versions. You got to get the newest one, and they'll tell you why. Um, besides that, they do a podcast that I've been listening to for years called the Survival Medical Hour. Um, they have a YouTube channel. Um, they are, everyone in the prepping industry knows who these people are. Who? Everyone. Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. Everyone knows who they are. They're big <laughs> names. And um, I had a chance, I'll tell you a story um, uh, with them, but we want to welcome right now Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. Are you guys there? We're here. Oh, wait, I, I think you have me married to someone else. <laughs> Dang, oh, dang, dang if you didn't get my name wrong and didn't get my what, book's name wrong. What, what, what did I say? Did I get it wrong? I'm, John Alton. So I'm Joe Alton. Joe. And the, called the, the, and the book is the oh, Survival Medicine Handbook. It's I, medicine. You put medical. Oh, I did. I had it in my hand and, and I read podcast, it wrong. That was close. It's okay. And our podcast is Survival Medicine Hour. <laughs> oh, Dang, you got word. that wrong, too. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Okay, I screwed everything up. Today on your schedule, Forrest, you got me down as Dr. Bone. 
I do. Yes. Yes. I'm I'm Dr. Bones. Dr. Bones. (laughs) Oh. The other other sounds a little uh, risque to me. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) So, so, you know. At least it's not the letter before S. Some things never change for us. That was so, I listened to that and it was hard to listen to because one, I was so nervous. Could you tell? Aww. I was so nervous. You and then were I, great. You were great. You really and I screwed everything up. No, that was just the beginning. See, it was smooth the, sailing after the that. beginning of big things. The, the only thing that could have made it worse if I would have said, and, and, um, like Linda and the nurse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. Right. Was, I didn't. Got her I don't right. think. She I don't got know. you right. Uh, no, he called me a registered nurse. Oh, registered, right? You're a nurse practitioner. Yeah, I, I got everything wrong there. You're right. Okay. It was it's okay. It was that. We still I mean, love you. No worries. I knew I messed up, and that's why I went back and I found that. And I'm like, I got to play that because <laughs> I, I, I just can't believe that was me either, too. So. <laughs> Gosh, <laughs> that was wild. Okay, yeah. Thanks for putting up with that. I mean, hey, I I, I got doctor and nurse right, right? You're the best. Yes, you're the best. Exactly. Absolutely. So let me let me do this here. I mean, it is there. This gets you. There we are. There we are. We can see you now. Oh my gosh! I even I could. It was hard for me to listen to it right then. It was insane. So. <laughs> To see if people are commenting on that, or probably wasn't Doctor Bones a XXX movie? I don't, <laughs> I, I don't know about that, Jay. I don't know. We haven't googled I, that recently, so maybe. <laughs> Lee is saying that's whole. I mean that. I mean it was just you know how embarrassing. I just don't no. even know how to. You are the best. You're you're the best, and you've gotten better with time. You're like a fine you're wine. Smooth now. Yeah, you're smooth. smooth yeah, what? Whatever. <laughs> Yes. Hey, welcome. I mean, it's been forever since I've seen you guys. I know it has been a while. We're going to be up in uh, in our Wait, neck of the woods. Well, we just saw you're him in your May, neck of the woods. Early May. Yeah, we saw you in May. Oh, we early did. Oh, yeah. yeah. We did. We did see each up other. in the we North Carolina thing. Mountain readiness. Yes, right, we did right. see each other. Nice folks. Yeah. So, how are you guys doing? Yeah. Well, good. Doing pretty good. Uh, Getting ready, actually, to go. Um, Back to Tennessee, yep. to our home again yeah, we'll up be, there. We'll be back in Gat- Gatlinburg and see the pretty leaves and uh, spend uh, a few weeks there. And yep. we'll, we'll be back uh, at Mount, Mountain Readiness uh, next May, too. Yeah, they're having another one. Yes, yes, awesome. So are you? Are, are y'all kind of cut down on how many shows you've been doing, haven't you? They well, just don't have them. They I just mean, don't have a lot of shows. Nobody's really, there's not a lot I mean, of shows. I think we're sort of in a lull in... Uh, you know the uh, preparedness thing. I think uh, at one point or another, it's going to it's going to pick up again quite a bit, uh, just given the state of the world today. So, oh, but uh, but let's hope uh, let's hope for the best. But prepare yeah. for the worst. Yes, yes. That's what they say, right? Yeah. So, what question are y'all interviewing me, or am I interviewing y'all tonight? Or oh, you got slides. we can interview you. We gave you slides. Yeah, you gave me slides. And yeah, for the first part. We're doing, yeah. we're doing uh, three three segments this time around, and we're going to talk first about uh, a little bit about ballistic trauma. Ballistic trauma. That just sounds kind of scary. And it is. And scarier still is uh, 
What, what do we got? Oh. I'm typing. Oh, you're typing. Okay. Just you're typing. typing. Just keep talking. All right. Well, keep talking. Well, let's just let's just get. Let's, let's get go right into it. it. They're here let's to right listen in. to you. They're not here to listen to me. But so Joe right. Alton, MD, and Amy Alton, nurse practitioner. <laughs> I guess something like that. It's so small on my screen. I was like, I was trying to read it by words, but yes. So you guys, you guys have the floor. All right, hey, well, and hey, by the way, thank you for being friends. I know every time I call aw, you guys, you're aw. the nicest people on the phone. And I'm right. saying that because if you come out with another book, I'm trying to move up. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> oh, well, I know what he wants. He wants the number. number I'm number four. And number one in our hearts. Okay. Charlie and then um, I think Jack Spirko and them are. So anyway, we I, I'm working on it. We're going to move you up. You're way okay. up there. You're way up there. The, the rankings are moving. Although I have to tell you, I really don't want to write another version. It was too much. Yeah. So next year. Every we'll, every so version year, takes <laughs> over a year, 365 wow. days nonstop, yeah, like about 12 hours a day. This one's 700 pages, uh, the current edition. So, And it's an 8 by 10 book. We actually have to increase the size of the book. Otherwise, it would have been about 1,100 pages, remember? Oh, yeah. If it, if it had stayed the same of size. So all right. So crazy. let's tell people about us. All right. Well, you wanted me to okay. do this, right? All right. Yeah, oh, yeah. This is all yeah. you. He's, get, he's getting ready, but then he had asked me to do it. Yes, Let me go, do this. Yeah, okay. do it. Yeah. All right. So Dr. Joseph Alton, MD, medical doctor, Amy Alton, advanced registered nurse practitioner, and I'm also a certified nurse midwife. Um, our website is Doom and Bloom. And that is at .net, although I do own .com. It'll take you there also, but .net is what we we had first. Uh, there you can find, what is it, 1,500 More now? than 1,500 articles, articles, podcasts, and videos, yeah. Yep. Um, at the top of doomandbloom.net, you can find all of the links that I may mention here, including our Instagram. We have uh, two Things on, actually we have three on Facebook. We have a group, a private group that you just asked to join, which is Survival Medicine. Uh, we have a Joe Alton Facebook. That's because Facebook forced us to have a personal account in order to own the group. Um, but we also have a business account, Doom and Bloom. We post pretty much the same things. Um, if you want to be interactive with us, um, the Survival Medicine group is the one that's most active as far as, you know, people talking amongst each other, people are interested in the same kind of subject. And when you put a question out there, it's not just like us answering, it's, you know, the whole group. And how many people do we have now? Oh, over 8,000 in that, in, so, in our basic Facebook group, but we have 16,000 on our doom and bloom page. Wow. So, you know, we have quite a, quite a few people that, uh, we follow and that follow us. And Thank so goodness. we're honored to he's, have, their he's company. my social media person. <laughs> All right, let's go to the next slide. The next slide. Oh, I'm not ready for that. Um, oh, well, okay. Here, here we go. You. Yes. Okay. All right. Oh, wait, that's my slides. Let me yeah, remove that. Okay. Sorry. That's okay. There we go. Okay. Right. Okay. So here we go. So if you, if you don't know us, um, we are the co-authors of the survival medicine handbook, the essential guide for when help is not on the way, a very unique book in that the entire book, all 700 pages assumes that something has happened and that there are no longer doctors, there are no longer hospitals. There's just, just you. You're now the end of the line when it comes to the well-being of your family because some disaster has happened and has put you in that position. So our job is, in plain English, to put make you effective in that role. We've also written other books, Alton's Antibiotics and Infectious Disease, 
Alms Pandemic Preparedness Guide, uh, books on Ebola, books on Zika virus, all, all sorts of stuff. We've written a, a bunch of books on different things. Uh, the Survival Medicine Handbook is the one that's now in its fourth edition. So you'll see older editions here. This one here is uh, is is much more in depth. Every edition has been more in depth yeah. than the previous one. But this one is now eight by ten. And that's about two inches and, thick. And that yeah. Um, we also showing. we also have uh, an entire line of quality kits that uh, that we designed, oh uh, designed gosh. by a doctor and a nurse practitioner for off-grid situations, and you'll find those at our store at store.doomandbloom.net. Next. Um, well, I just want to say one okay. more thing. Yes, the as far as the book goes, um, I think you put up an Amazon link. That's great. Amazon um, actually prints our black and white books, and we do uh, KDP printing through them. Uh, we had a private printer in the USA with USA paper do um, thicker paper, uh, two color type books. One is the paperback, which you just saw here. And the other one, we actually had spiral bound. So we do have one version of spiral bound on our website at store.doomandbloom.net. And that is the color color. That's the only place you're going to get the color. I, there are a couple of mom and pop shops across the country who do carry it. But um, if you want it signed from us, then it will be from store.doomandbloom.net. There you go. All right. So let's talk a little bit about um, what I about what I wanted to really get to today. And today, and that is violence. You know, in survival settings where violence is going to be commonplace and the rule of law just doesn't exist, there's going to be armed conflict between two survival groups. That's going to be a real possibility. And so you have to realize that such confrontations are likely to involve firearms, and that leads to major injuries in situations where there is no available medical infrastructure, and that is a big problem for you, family medic, in an off-the-grid survival situation. Next. Well, actually, go back, go back. My mistake. (laughs) I just wanted to say that the type of trauma which relates to the effects of bullets and other projectiles is called ballistic trauma, and that during the Civil War, which is what you see here is you see a, a field hospital in the Civil War, Ballistic trauma to the chest or abdomen proved fatal in about 70% of cases. And you know what? We're going to have to expect similar results in primitive survival situations if we don't have access to advanced medical care. So for that reason, it may be wise to consider including, and bear with me here, body armor as part of your survival storage. Next. A body armor has been used throughout history, but the introduction of high-velocity firearms, well, Around the time of the Renaissance, that negated the protective advantages of plate armor and mail armor that was used uh, routinely before then. As such, body armor generally fell out of favor, except for a few exceptions here and there, for combat purposes until the latter half of the 20th century. Next. So here you see in the 20th century that we have new technology and actually makes body armor a viable alternative for protection in good times or bad. Next. Now, first, let's talk about gunshot wounds and ballistic trauma. Now, the amount of trauma to the body caused by a projectile is called kinetic energy. That's the energy that's imparted to the body upon being struck by a projectile or a bullet. Uh, You can see that the uh, mass of the projectile, if you look at the the formula, there there it is. Thanks. Um, K means kinetic energy and the formula for that is actually very simple. It's one half 
times the mass of the round of the ammo or the bullet and times the velocity of the bullet squared. And so you can see from that formula that the mass of the bullet's important, but the velocity is much more important because it's the velocity squared that really adds to the power and the kinetic energy that's being imparted to the body when a, a round hits you. And that's why a rifle round, for example, does more damage than a heavier but slower handgun round. Next. Now, bullets oftentimes enter through a small hole, as you can see on the left, but exit through a larger hole, as you can see on the right. Now, why is that? Now, to know this, you need to know the various ways that a bullet damages the body. Next. One is called cavitation. Now, look at the left-hand side, and you'll see the cavitation that occurs as a result of various different handgun rounds. And um, when a bullet strikes an object, it causes two channels to, to be formed. One is called a permanent channel or a permanent cavitation, and that's the actual trail of the bullet itself as it goes through the body. And then there is temporary cavitation, which is a shock wave, which is what you see you see the the little line is that's a permanent cavitation on right, but the the all that stuff around it that is the temporary cavitation. That's a shock wave and it causes a great deal of damage to surrounding structures. And it, and even if the bullet doesn't particularly hit an organ, you if if you get shot near the liver, it's possible that you could start bleeding from the liver as a result of the temporary cavitation or the shock wave that goes there. Now, on the right side, you see how a bullet deforms. Now, that kind of bullet is a uh, hollow point bullet, and hollow point bullets deform in a certain way, as you can see that almost a pretty flower-like appearance. But what that does is that causes more damage, and the reason why it causes more damage is because that mushroom increases the size of the permanent cavitation, the tra the, the uh, uh, track through the body, but it also increases the shockwave as well. Now, let's see. Uh, let's go to the next slide. Bullets also have a uh, ability to fragment, and some, some rounds are actually made specifically to fragment, and, and that's a big problem because each fragment causes its own temporary and permanent cavitations of, its, of, of itself. Um, you can see each one of those fragments has a little line coming through it, you can see that, that that's the trail as it passed through the ballistic gel. And each one of those has not only a permanent channel that goes through, but also a shock wave that's attached to it as, as well. And so each fragment causes that temporary and permanent cavitation. When the bullet strikes home, the bone may shatter, actually. And that's something that you'll see as well. And the bone fragments can be damaged and, and can cause basically a, 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 an incredible amount of damage. If it's not, if it shatters the bone, it actually can have bone fragments that cause uh, channels as well. And, then, and there's also something called uh, yaw, which is where, when a bullet starts oscillating. And that causes the bullet to actually start to tumble. And a tumbling bullet that strikes the body causes a larger cavitation effect. Next. Now, let's talk about what to do with you, somebody that has been shot with a bullet by a bullet uh, should a bullet that penetrates the body be removed now in normal times very often the answer is yes but what about the off the grid so and, and the way to answer that is by asking you who this man is does anybody know who the, who the man is that is uh, 
They're on a little bit of a delay, so you have to give them a second. Oh, okay. <laughs> they're, that, not, does... they're not hearing you for oh, okay. a second. All right, my, my apologies. <laughs> uh, um, Garfield. Garfield, you're right. That's, that is Garfield. <laughs> excellent, excellent eye there, uh, Forrest. That is yes, he gave you a hint. <laughs> that is President James Garfield. Yes. And President James Garfield had the misfortune of being shot by an assassin in 1881. And he had the worst misfortune of having 12 of the best doctors in Washington, D.C. attend him. Yes. And they all took turns digging into his wound, trying to remove the bullet. Yep. Now, the bullet was actually lodged in a spinal column, which you see on his on the lower left there. And, yeah, it was there to stay. But the, all the manipulation with ungloved hands caused an infection, which killed him in, in agony, I may say, uh, a few weeks later. So my opinion with regards to survival settings if unless you can easily reach a bullet and it's not near anything that's uh that's vital you know leave the bullet in place right it's going to heal the body heals around it and forms a uh a wall like a capsule yeah that's called we call that a granuloma yeah now interestingly enough if you would like to visit president garfield's spine and the bullet that enlarged in it you can by going to the museum of medicine in washington dc and we've seen it that's right. That yeah, was very we sure cool. have. Next. How about a knife? Now, should you keep that in or should you take that out? Well, that's a good question, isn't it? In yes. normal times <laughs> and in, in survival, the answers may be different. Uh, next. So basically, in normal times, you want to keep it in place as it might be putting pressure on a blood vessel and may bleed if you remove it, right? So you want to pack that wound and you want to pack it with the knife in place. Could Amy, could you describe yes. so, how you did that? So in this picture here, I took uh, two actual pillowcases and I rolled them up. I placed them on either side. Our stab wound was, I think, in some kind of uh, foam, um, but I support it. What you want to do is make sure that it's not moving around. So if you have a victim that you need to transport to a different location, you need to support the knife. So you can use any kind of material. You can roll up jeans. You can roll up T-shirts. What you want to do is have some nice support on either side of the blade. And then so it doesn't wiggle around, you take a strip of any kind of material. What I used here was um, one or two. I think I tied two triangular bandages together. I can see a, a knot right there. Possibly one. It just depends on how much you want to stabilize. But you're wrapping around one side of it like a U going down around and then you wrap a U around the other side of it. So it kind of has tension on both sides just to keep it from wiggling around. So support both sides and then get some kind of material with, again, two U's on either side tied together and then it won't move around so much. And of course, make sure that, you know, nobody's touching it and it's not touching any items. You know, if you're putting the person inside of a vehicle Make sure that, you know, there's enough room. The knife is not hitting something. Um, and, and just be careful. I probably wouldn't put a sheet over this person because, again, that's going to move the knife. If you want to cover them, cover around this area. So, um, anyway, that's what you want to do when you're transporting the patient. So, basically, you want to keep that knife in place in general because you know, you're worried about what might happen. Now, in the field, in normal times, you wait for emergency services to arrive. In survival scenarios you're the you're the end of the line when it comes to this person living or dying that knife is not going to be able to stay in there for the next six months you know while while the body heals around it you're actually going to have to take that out so in survival 
what you do with it is actually the opposite of what you're going to do in normal times. And so you want what you want to do, though, is you want to put that dressing on exactly as Amy said and get that person to where the bulk of your supplies are, because right. the more controlled the environment is that you that, that you have this patient in, the less likely there will be an issue with severe bleeding, or at least you'll be ready for it if it does happen to occur. So here's how I would do this. I would go, hey, look over there. And then I'd go, whack, and yank that sucker out. Yeah, well, just make sure you yank it out this way and not this way. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. Uh, uh, Next. Okay, back to body armor. Okay, so how does body armor work to protect you? Body armor works by trapping a bullet in protective fibers and dispersing its energy, thereby slowing and then flattening the bullet. Now, each layer of webbing that you have there will slow the round until it deforms and actually stops completely. The impact is spread throughout the vest, causing the wearer to experience it over a larger area, but the projectile itself fails to penetrate the body, and that prevents the worst, but not all, injuries. Next. All right, so while the protective capabilities of uh, body armor ensure that the risk of Fatal injury is very low. The shockwave caused by the bullet can damage tissue by indenting the side of the armor that actually touches the body. Now, that's called back face deformation. And even today, it's an issue that's not fully addressed, even by modern body armor. Uh, It most often occurs with uh, ammunition that mushrooms, like the hollow points that we were talking about earlier, or high-velocity rifle rounds that spin and yaw, something else that we also talked about. The Prepping Academy Podcast. What are you prepping for? Are you a prepper or homesteader looking to connect with like-minded people in your area? Looking to start your own preparedness group? Already have a group? Well, look no further than PrepperNet. PrepperNet is dedicated to personal responsibility, individual freedoms, and being self-reliant. PrepperNet has monthly meetings in over 100 cities where you can meet and learn with like-minded people in your area. PrepperNet, where preppers unite. Find us online at PrepperNet.com. You're listening to The Prepping Academy. The information you need before the world ends. Hey, let's take a quick break. Has your data been hacked? Do you feel uneasy about the vulnerability of your personal information online? Were you involved in the Target, LinkedIn, or Microsoft data leaks? Don't know? If not, then pay attention. Join Forrest Garvin from PrepperNet for a free webinar on privacy and security. Gain insights into safe internet browsing, VPNs, crafting online aliases, secure emails, detecting if your data has been hacked, and managing passwords. Secure your spot today for this webinar on privacy and security. It's free. This webinar delves into comprehensive strategies for bolstering your online privacy. We've got you covered. From fortifying your passwords to shielding your financial information and mastering state-of-the-art encryption techniques, we're offering two convenient dates to suit your schedule. Reserve your spot now at PrepperNet.com privacy. Don't let cyber threats erode your peace of mind any longer. Take the first step toward a safer, more secure online experience by joining us for our free webinar. Remember, knowledge is power when it comes to safeguarding your privacy. Sign up now at PrepperNet.com privacy. We'll see you there. 
Now, there are two types of body armor. They're soft and hard. Now, soft body armor is useful for its lightweight nature. It's protective, right, against handgun rounds, and it does very well against the slower the slower projectiles, but it doesn't stop rifle bullets. Now, what I've got here is I have some body armor, and we're going to talk about the different levels. This is a type of soft body armor, and it's very... Very nice in terms of being comfortable and, and very uh, flexible. Yes. So you yeah, you can move it. So so very solid, very solid version of um, of body armor, a soft a soft body armor. Now, um, what I'd like to say about about this is that there are two types of body armor: the soft one, useful for its lightweight nature, and this indeed is it's really just maybe ten pounds and maximum yeah it's not bad actually it's really not bad to carry mm -hmm. carry with you and uh, that's different from hard body armor which is characterized by more weight rigid plates that are effective even against rifle rounds so that's good for that purpose most commonly used for military and police tactical units in normal times uh, so what you see here is an example of the soft body armor soft armor is uh, normally manufactured from woven synthetic fabrics that right. can be Use right that can be worn by itself or with more protection, you know, combined with hard armor. So you got a bunch of different things. Now, there's also uh, not only pro pro protection that you need from firearm projectiles, but also there's stab protection, protection against direct attacks with sharp weapons such as knives and spike protections, protection from <laughs> things like don't do it hard <laughs> ice picks or I don't know, maybe even crossbow <laughs> bolts that are possibly another, another thing. So, next. Okay, so what makes body armor so actually so solid? Well, there are a number of different materials that have been used to produce protective gear, including steel, ceramic, plastic. Fibers are interlaced in a certain way. They're done perpendicularly. They tw they're twisted. They strengthen each other. They provide extra protection. But most of the, today's body armor is made from a number of different items that you probably have heard of. You probably have heard of Kevlar. And Kevlar is a man-made hydrocarbon fiber. Fiber. It's known for its high strength, low weight, and both chemical and cut resistance. As a matter of fact, Kevlar is also flame resistant and doesn't melt or soften when it's heated. I think you have a slide that actually lists out Kel Kevlar. Go, yeah. I'll go back one then, or one I, or two. Did I, you I think there's a, yeah that one. Oh, that okay, one. All right. That's the all right, one you're sorry, talking about. Sorry about that. That's okay. Okay. This is the slide you want. All right. So it's. Kevlar is thought to be several times stronger than steel fiber, not steel, solid steel, but steel fiber. Now, there are newer products exist that claim to be even stronger than Kevlar. So there's a lot of new technology on, on, on the way that's going to be even stronger than what we have currently. Then you have uh, what we what I call umwhoopee, umwhoopee. U-H-M-W-P-E. <laughs> and that stands for ultra high molecular weight polyethylene. And that's a polymer with a Long molecular change, it allows it to absorb energy more effectively. Now, there's something called Dyneema. Dyneema is one type of polyethylene fiber that a length of it that's one millimeter thick. One millimeter thick can actually bear up to 240 kilograms. That's about 500 pounds of load, but it's light enough that it floats on water. That's incredible. Then there's ceramic armor. Modern ceramic is used to make a lightweight form of hard body armor. It's it's consists of either aluminum oxide, carbon uh, silicon carbide or boron carbide are the three things they use 
the types of ceramics that they use. They put that on the outer surface and they back it up by a fiber reinforced plastic composite or sometimes even a metal layer. And then, of course, there's steel. Solid steel plates are very protective. And the difference is that they're capable of standing more than one hit at a time. So you can be hit several times with, with steel plate and it still will hold. They can, however, be very heavy and sometimes restrictive. So they sometimes need to be coated with materials that decrease damage caused by bullet fragmentation. Bullets fragment when hit, when they hit steel mm -hmm. and sometimes, and that's, that's something called spalling. And what that can do is cause injuries to parts of your body that aren't covered with the body armor. Uh, now, uh, go ahead next. I think uh, the two slides. Yes. Okay. Ball you wanted the ballistic protection one. Okay. Now, I did that one already. Okay. Okay. Go, go back to... Yes. Okay. The levels. Now, each yeah. type of protection. Now, how do, how do we determine how protective, let's say, this particular body armor is? Now, each type of protection is assessed by something ca called uh, uh, the National Institute of Justice, the NIJ, and that's a part of the DOJ. And it has the responsibility of testing body armor and establishing standards. Uh, uh, for ballistic rounds, the NIJ resistance standard classifies body armor by its performance against different types of ammo. So the protocol requires the bullet to not penetrate the vest and give some protection against blunt trauma. Now, how does the NIJ arrive at these standards? Well, the department takes samples of commercial body armor, subjects them to major stress, and then follows them up for years with long-term ballistic testing. Now, the cur current body armor levels are, uh, you can see right here, there are 2A, 2, 3A, 3. So th th 3A is less, than, is, is less protective than 3. And uh, 2A is less protective than 2. This is, happens to be a level 2 vest. And then there's level 4, which is the maximum amount of protection. So with a uh, level 2A, you can expect to be able to stop 40 Smith & Wesson rounds, 9mm uh, rounds. Level 2, this one here can stop in 357 Magnum uh, and, and, and lesser rounds as well. But none of these, uh, these can handle handgun rounds, but this provides no rifle protection actually. So that, that's the one back, uh, drawback to soft armor. Now there's a level 3A that stops um, 357 SIG and 44 caliber magnum rounds. Uh, but again, no rifle protection. Once you hit level three, though, you start getting rifle protection. You get that 7.62 full metal jacket lead core rifle rounds. As long as they're slower than a certain speed, in this case, it's 2,750 feet per second and lighter than 147 grains. Then the, finally, you get to the level four armor, which is used by the military and by the police. That stops 30-06s, uh, armor-piercing steel core rounds, and it can defeat bullets that are anything slower than 2,880 feet per second and lighter than 166 grains. Now, you might wonder about NATO rounds or uh, 223 if you happen to have an AR-15. Well, that depends on the core. Now, if you have a lead core round, that can be stopped with your level three armor, but you need level four if you happen to have steel core rounds. Now, how about uh, 50 caliber machine gun fire? Well, if you're facing that <laughs> kind of fire, you got big problems no matter what kind of protection you're wearing. Now, but, but let's talk a little bit about stab protection. If you're a corrections officer, this is something that's going to be very important for you because that's the kind of injury that you might actually experience. And, and these vests, which are meant to stop rounds, handgun rounds or rifle rounds, may not have the exact same type of protection against certain stab rounds. Now, a stab and spike-resistant body armor standards specifies uh, 
the minimum requirements to protect the torso against these kinds of attacks from knives and dice picks and, I guess, crossbow bolts, things like that. And that depends on the type of vest that you happen to have. This has a stab, a stab resistance one. And the blade. Now, the blades that are wide are less likely to go through these, this kind of armor than a blade that is very sharply pointed or a, or an ice pick, right, let's say. Right. So that's something. By the way, notice that I don't use the term bulletproof vest a lot, right? I mean, this is what we people commonly consider this. And I hesitate to use it because there are a lot of circumstances where the caliber and the velocity of the round might overwhelm your armor, especially with the lower NIJ level vests. So bullet resistance is a more accurate term when you're talking about any kind of uh, body armor. Now, is heavy body armor? Uh, oh, oh, next, I think next round, next slide. Okay. Try the next slide. Yeah, okay. Now, heavy body armor, is that always superior to light armor? Well, if you're talking about taking a rifle round to the chest, yes. But there are disadvantages to even level four plates. I mean, needless to say, they're heavier. You have reduced flexibility and comfort in bulkier armor, and that leads to less ability to move rapidly when you need to. And also, it might be more noticeable. You might not have really noticed much about my armor while I had my shirt on, but level four, you might actually wind up seeing it. And if that happens, a, a hostile agent may aim for areas other than your torso. I right. may aim, right. aim for your head. Right. So that, that's an issue. Let's go to the next slide. So a common question asked of me is what do you expect to feel when you get shot with body armor on? Well, when you get shot, you'll probably survive it, but that doesn't mean you're not going to feel pain. You know, some describe getting shot as a sharp stinging sensation. Others reported sort of a dull thud. Still others compare it to being struck with a baseball bat. I don't know how they get that. I don't know how they experience that, but that would be a, a pr pretty uh, significant amount of pain. Now, because now when you get shot by a bullet and not don't have armor on, many times you're not knocked down, but... Because the armor is actually spreading the, tr the kinetic energy throughout the entire vest, there is a strong backwards force when you right. get shot and, and it hits your, your armor because it, it knocks you off your feet oftentimes. Now, there's a study that was done by the Akron uh, uh, Ohio Police Department. They found that if the vest was appropriate for the round that was fired, 85% of those people shot in, in the vest area received minor or no injuries. And that's pretty good percentage minor damage usually involved bruising which you see on the fellow uh, in the back of the fellow on the left and, or it might include crap cracked ribs if you're talking about uh, more more serious injuries now of course more serious still would be if that bullet or that rifle round or that bullet round penetrated uh your body so this is pretty good of course there's if you have a vest that's not adequate for let's say a high-powered rifle round well you know you might still die even wearing a vest. Next slide. Now, injuries can be caused by fragmentation of the bullet. I mentioned that before. That's called spalling, S-P-A-L-L-I-N-G. When, when the bullet impacts there, you can be damaged on other parts of your body, like the arms, your neck, your, your face. So you'll see that although I'm wearing just torso armor here and side armor, you can actually get... Um, armor that protects your nape, your your neck, your shoulders, your groin, uh, and your side plates on, on that one as well. You see that on the left. And of course, they also make uh, helmets 
and shields out of the same material. Read what Jay just said Jay, out loud. Of, oh, okay. As Jay, Jay, thanks. Thank you for sharing your experiences. One who has experienced it suffered broken ribs and a bruise lasted for nearly a month. Wow. As for as feeling like a baseball bat. Yeah. If that bat was attached to a car going 200 miles an hour. Wow. Oh my gosh. Well, I absolutely. I'm glad it. you're still here. Thank you for your service. Yes, thanks so much. Wow. I'm wow. Glad you're okay. I know. Right. So it's important to know that body armor doesn't last forever. Now, over time, the material is weakened by wear and tear. So expect a, sh a shelf life of several years to maybe up to 20 years at, most, at a, a protective level, depending on the materials and the storage conditions. All right, next slide. Okay, okay. Well, that's, that's this segment. I will want to just mention that there are a lot of different ways you can connect with us. I think Amy had mentioned. Yeah, the, just go the to the top of doomandbloom.net. It's all there. There you go. So you will our find store, our the Twitter, podcast, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. Instagram. It's all up there. It's easy to get to. <laughs> that's, that's right. So we hope, hope you, that you will join some of our groups and, and maybe follow us on Twitter, things like that. Now, I, I want to talk about other things, though. Um, I think we're only going to get to one more subject. So oh, pick which one you want. All right. Well, he's got a slide for the phenylalanine now. Okay. So pick, pick. Nar all right. Narcan or Sudafed. All right. Um, let's do both. Okay. Let's do. We have they time. Have time for both. I all right. Mean, yeah, all right, well, we got all the time in the world for you guys. <laughs> Yay. Okay. All right. Well, let's let 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 me okay. talk. Let me do um, the uh, fentanyl first. Now, I'm not going to do this one right now. I'm just going to talk. Okay. All right. Okay, well, in the news, I don't know if you've heard, but the fentanyl crisis in New York City apparently is so bad that all residents, all residents of New York City have been asked to carry naloxone, brand name Narcan, which is a drug that can reverse the ill effects of an opioid over overdose. And Are you guys seeing this backwards? Are they seeing it backwards? Yeah, probably. It's N-A-R-C-A-N. That's a brand name. Naloxone, A-N-A-L-O-X-O-N-E, is the uh, generic name. The health department in New York City is actually off offering training on what to do in case of encountering somebody who's overdosed. Now, according to one health official there, he says Narcan should be in everyone's first aid kit, should be available on public transportation, subway stations. In your purse, in your pocket, everything. everywhere, in your so, briefcase, wherever. I This is pretty, you know, pretty amazing uh, alarm that that was put out okay, by, they by see the it city. Forwards. Okay, good. All right. The, the latest alarm. I will. I will say one thing though about this. We bought this today. This was fifty dollars. Right. I don't know what they're charging in New York City, but if you ask every citizen to have something that's fifty dollars, that's insane. That's I, a lot of money. That, I absolutely believe that it's free. I hope it is. I, I think that you're they telling did, everybody they did, to get it. Like, it's a good way to make money is tell everybody to buy this drug though and yeah, take it right? with them. <laughs> it was forty nine ninety nine so at the pharmacy. Buy some stock in this and whoever makes this. Oh my gosh. So this is pretty amazing stuff. The latest alarm, this sort of occurred because there was a two year old boy that was killed by exposure to fentanyl at a Bronx daycare. And so, this is they decided to take a look at their statistics and New York City indeed has reported a 12 percent increase in the number of deaths by overdose Since last year. Yeah. Now there are over 3000 people that die in New York City every year from some kind of overdose related to an opioid. So it's a pretty serious thing. You know, now, why is this happening is the question. Now, I bet that you guys have your opinion there. My opinion, of course, is that. 
epidemics like this will spread as long as there we have an open border and we have no way to stop cartels to run their operations to bring this stuff into the country. I read somewhere that the cartels in Mexico are the fifth largest employer in the country. So if you ask who's controlling the border, it's not Mexico. It's certainly not us, but it's them, those guys in the cartel. Now, okay, that's my political statement for the day. <laughs> yeah. The night. Okay, well, so you might think you have to be a junkie to die from, an, let's say, a fentanyl overdose. But anybody like that two-year-old can experience this, an opioid overdose, even if they were exposed to the first time for the first time and just exposed on the skin. I mean, you don't have to actually ingest it to, to die from an overdose of fentanyl. That's because opioids have the power to interrupt your ability to breathe, especially when they're used in high amounts or in combinations with other substances. Now, opioid overdoses can cause respiratory failure and face it, without oxygen, your brain can only survive for a few minutes. Where they say in the rule of threes, Everybody knows three minutes without water. I mean, three days without water, three weeks without food, but it's three minutes without air. So mm -hmm. this yeah. is this is a big, yeah. big deal. So what are the signs of an opioid overdose? How, how can you tell that somebody's undergoing that? Well, they have shallow breathing or very slow breathing. So if, you're, if they're breathing two or three times a minute, then you know you've got a problem there. They have a very slow heartbeat. They're usually very pale, cold and clammy skin. Lips are blue. Fingernails are blue, too. Uh, they may have vomited. They have, definitely have altered mental status. And these people will die without getting some of this into their system. Yep. Now, now, another thing you can do is when you look at their pupils, the pupils are usually pinpoint, not right, dilated right. like you see with some other drugs. And if they're totally unresponsive or unconscious, you need to act by giving them this stuff immediately. Luckily, it can return normal breathing in a person that, who's having difficulty breathing or stop breathing altogether in just a few minutes. Right. And and that there are various brand names and forms of naloxone, but uh, this particular one with the Narcan is the one that has been given over-the-counter status as a nasal spray. And we're going to show you how to use this in just a minute. And well, we're going to talk about it. Yeah. I'm not going to show them how well, to no, use right. it. <laughs> well, we're you, not going to use you, the Narcan. <laughs> do it on Joe. I don't well, need it, so... <laughs> well, did you you didn't bring the heroin? I thought you were going to inject no. me with heroin. And then... <laughs> I couldn't connect with the guy. You know, he was I don't know. Are they? You know, they're not, not prescription, reliable. are they? You no. don't need what? a prescription for not the box. Okay. No, no. Do you all sell that on your website? No. No, we don't. I don't. We don't. I think uh, this is something I don't that even I, know. I think you there are programs that you can get this. I mean, they said in South Carolina they're giving it away for free. Yes, North I heard Carolina, that they were going to give it away $5. for free in some areas. Yeah. Yes, exactly. I, I'm hoping that in um, New York City they're giving it away. Yeah, I'm for sure. Free. I'm sure they are. I'm sure they are. But so look, look and see. Your health plan may have may have some particular you know dispensation with regards to it. Um, that your even your municipality, if it's a place that's been mm -hmm. having a lot of problems with uh, overdoses, well, you know they'll probably have some something as well. Now, it's important to note that this is only effective against opioids, and its effect lasts about thirty to ninety minutes. Now, if you suspect somebody's overdose, but you're not sure if they use op opioids, you're told to use this anyhow. So, if you suspect it for any reason doesn't cause any harm. It's safe to take even if you don't have opioids in your system. And it's best to give it as fast as possible. The lower, longer you wait to give them Narcan, the more likely it, won't, it might not work. Now, someone who begins breathing again. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was going to ask you. Um, someone said when you give it to them, 
you need to walk away because they're going to come yeah. up swinging. We're all going to talk about their yeah, reaction. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Because they're could They can become revived, but they're still not with it. Yes. Right. So, so someone who begins breathing again, when they wake up, they're usually disoriented. They're agitated. They're pulse agitated rate. is a, is a big thing. Right. They're agitated, pul- violent. Right. right. Their pulse rate is going to be really zooming yeah. and they're going to be in fight or flight. Yeah. And uh, they're going to be very combative. And so they're, you're absolutely right by telling them Let to me answer one question be here. very careful. Uh, there's two doses in this box. And we're going to talk about why there's two doses in this box. But there's two doses in every box because it may take more than one. And again, we're going to talk about that in a minute. Right. Um, <clears throat> so the one thing about this I want I want to say is that there are some people who have taken so much of the drug that they just aren't revivable with one dose. Right. And you actually have to give them a second dose. Or it's possible that after 30 minutes or 90 minutes, they relapse and they wind up falling out again. And you have to give it to, to them again. So it just, it, it really depends on, you have to monitor the person, you know, maybe, maybe at a short distance, but you, you have to monitor them closely. And these are people that definitely are not going home if they, you know. Hopefully it's not the end of the world and the ambulance gets there really quick. Right. So they can take them away. So that's the story. Okay. It's also very useful, by the way, to have in your, as part of your medical kit, a pulse oximeter. That's a little item that, uh, you put on your finger that, and that tells you the amount of oxygen saturation that somebody's body has. And that's very useful to have. If you don't have one in your medical kit, have that around for somebody like, uh, like this, who's, who's having difficulty breathing or who, whose rate has slowed. You can get an idea of just how much in trouble they are by checking their oxygen saturation. If it's within, if it's 92 or greater, it's probably okay. If, if it's lower than that, these are people that usually need a lot of help. Um, so let's talk about how to, how to administer Narcan. Go ahead and take that out. You now, want me to open it? Yes, okay. open it up. Now, I want you to know that you're supposed to take this person. You want to lay that person on their back, making sure there's nothing in their mouth or blocking their airway. You may have to use the, the uh, jaw thrust. And this is what, the, what it looks like. Okay, show, them, show this a little closer up. All right. Okay, open, we opened the outer cow carton of Narcan and we right. peeled back the right inner here. packaging to remove the nasal spray device. You want to go ahead and open? Op- no, no, I don't want to open this. You don't want to open I it? pay $50 for these okay. two. I'm, doing- <gasps> I'm not opening this. Okay. <laughs> he wants you to open it. Well, I mean, I got a comment. To- don't open it. It's $50. <laughs> I'm not opening this. For $20, $25. <laughs> It, All right. it, this is really easy to figure out. You're going to spray this up the nose. Okay. What's that stuff people this. spray in their nose anyway? It's um, This is going up the yeah, nose. It's like Afrin. This is where you hold Afrin. it. Yeah, that's this it. This is what you push. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. So go ahead hold, and talk about it. All right. You're supposed to hold the device with your thumb at the bottom of the plunger. And your middle finger. It's basically, you're like this. Right. Okay. Fingers on it. The thumb is going to be on the bottom where that is. You're not going to squeeze that until right. you shove that up the nose. Right. Now you're going to tilt the person's head back. You support the back of the neck with your yeah, hand I'll and insert nose. the nozzle in. This is silly not using. This. I'm not opening okay. it. Okay. And insert the nozzle into one nostril until both your index Here, and middle fingers, our fingers touch our the nose. bottom of the person's nostril. <laughs> that, that, yeah, hardly can. Okay, I got it up my nose. Firmly press the plunger 
All right, ready? Oh. <laughs> I to deliver, the to deliver the spray, spray okay. dose into the person's nose and remove the device once it's been delivered. Now, the one thing you need I to know, know we're talking to really one of smart these, people who can figure this out. Each one of this, I, I know, I know. This too. <laughs> I, it's important to know that there's only one dose per plunger here. Yes. And so don't test it. Don't try to test it out to see if it works. Right. Put it right in the, in the person's nostril and go ahead and, and use it. If the person does not wake up or if the person relapses after 30 to 90 minutes, then do this in the, uh, do the next dose in the opposite nostril. All right. And that's, that's what you do. Now, once you give them that first dose, you know, support their breathing by starting CPR, if it's absolutely necessary or doing hands-only CPR until they start breathing on their own or until emergency services arrive. Honestly, probably won't need to do that. They probably will begin to breathe on their own if indeed it is an opioid, opioid overdose. Yeah, not it a, takes two to three minutes for right. it to work. That's right. Um, so remember, uh, once once they start breathing, and and if they, if you're able to move them, put them in the recovery position, everybody yeah. who's taking CPR knows what the position. Yes. Okay, there she goes. She, <laughs> Hand under the head. Yes, not. That's why I wanted you to get a slide with that picture. Okay, well I should. I can't. Done, do, I, should, obviously, I can't do a recovery. Obviously, should have done. I can't that. do a recovery position in a chair. All right. So anyhow, you should be able to find Narcan at your local pharmacy. It's, it might be even available for free, and it's completely over the counter. You do not need a prescription. Now, uh, I want to talk a little bit about fentanyl. I've known of fentanyl my entire career, honestly, mm -hmm. and my professional experience with it involved use during general anesthesia on patients that were undergoing surgery by me or uh, during epidural anesthesia given during a person while a person's in labor. It's used for pain relief and sedation and battlefield casualties. Some people, um, they, there was actually a, a fentanyl lollipop that you actually could suck on that actually gave you uh, some support that way. And, it became, and the drug, although it first came into being or approved for medical use in the, the 60s, it wasn't until about... 2017 that it became really popular and it was the most in 2017 it was the most frequently used synthetic opioid in medicine the entire field of medicine by two years later there were more many more than one million prescriptions that were given and written annually to the general public and by 2021 fentanyl accounted for more than 71,000 opioid overdose deaths in the united states so the vast majority of recent cases of opioid overdose in the country, over 109,000. Most of them are linked to fentanyl. And it's mostly mostly coming from Mexico. Some people say that some of the raw materials come from China. And I'll let you decide whether you believe that or not. It could be. Uh, how much fentanyl is out there? Well, the Department of Justice reported the seizure of more than 10 million fentanyl pills and approximately 980 pounds of fentanyl powder in the five months from May to September of 2022. Five months. And what do they say? They say that they catch about 10% of the Maybe. drugs coming into this country. I mean, that's their guesstimate. So that's a lot of fentanyl. Maybe they catch 5%. We fent don't know 100%. Right. If you don't catch it all, how do you know how much is really coming in? Right. So so that, you're absolutely right. So why why is a drug like fentanyl out there? Why? why because it kills so many people. Why would even drug dealers want to use it, right? I mean, they lose their customers. Well, for for the drug dealer, fentanyl has some attributes that make it preferable even to heroin. Fentanyl is more potent, it acts faster, it's cheaper to produce, and it's easier to transport to the market in the form of pills or lozenges. It even comes in nasal sprays, eye drops, um, skin patches even. 
And it's so inexpensive that it's often used to mix in with more expensive opiates. So a lot of users don't even know that they're actually taking it. Now, for the user, fentanyl acts like other opioids on steroids. Yeah. Once in the body, fentanyl attaches itself to your nerve receptors that control pain response and emotions. And it provides a strong pain relief, but it also creates this intense euphoric high by elevating levels of the neurotransmitter dopamine. Wait, I need to answer one quick question. Okay. What is the shelf life? Um, well, this one expires May 2020. Does that say six? Yes. So I'm going to think that this was probably made in May. So I'm going to say three years because this one says May 2026. And I figure I'm buying it now. Maybe they've, you know, had it sitting on the shelf for a little while. So somewhere around three years shelf life. Anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No problem. So the high that you get out of it lasts about 12 hours, but super, super addictive leads to serious physical dependence in addition to the need for higher doses to get the same high. That's called tolerance. uh, You probably heard of that. Now, as it can't be identified by sight, taste, or smell, it would require a lab analysis to actually identify it. There are actually test strips that identify it as well. I think the police officers in a lot of these cities are carrying those. So a lot of a lot of drug dealers are cutting drugs with fentanyl. It causes the user to inadvertently wind up being exposed to it, usually much stronger than the dose of whatever heroin or whatever it is that they were planning to use. And so all you need is about a pinch to be exposed to a pinch of this stuff, 0.25 milligrams to actually wind up getting a lethal dose. So one last thing I want to say is if we needed more bad news on the drug front, a common livestock sedative called Trank, uh, its street name is Trank, but it's actually Xylazine. Uh, if you are a vet out there, you probably have used it in the past for uh, to relieve pain in uh, large animals, like horses and cattle, relax muscles, maybe sedate uh, an animal for uh, surgical procedures. I was just looking at your tag. Okay. Can you take this off? Yeah. Uh, well, it depends. Are you going to shoot me? No, I'm not going to shoot you, <laughs> nor stab you. I just see wait, if a- wait. I want to be involved in that. <laughs> there's not a name on here, I don't think. It's a safeguard. Who gave this to us? Safeguard. Safeguard. Um, yeah, it's a we safeguard. got this years ago. That's true. Well, anyhow, xylazine is not FDA approved for any human use. No, nothing in human medicine. But interestingly enough, it's not yet illegal. So a prescription from a vet's all you need to get your own supply. It's not an opioid, but it acts like it. Like opioids, it's highly addictive, slows breathing heart rate, increases the risk of fatal overdoses, and it causes the user to black out for hours. Once they come to, they immediately crave more. So it's unlike other opioids, it's unlike opioids in one major way, in that it causes the formation of skin ulcers and abscesses. Some of them look quite horrific. If you actually Google xylazine sores, uh, you'll probably see some people look like zombies almost. Like many have these uh, painful ulcers in the skin called eschars, crusty blackened tissue. And uh, they call some people call xylazine the zombie drug for the way its users look. And the skin mm-hmm. effects actually can be so severe as to require amputation. So withdrawal of the drug, as bad as any narcotic, but it, the problem is it's not an opioid. So guess what doesn't work against it? You can't revive somebody on xylazine. I just want to show the person who was asking about this so they can see the name. Okay. It was just a question. Go ahead. So anyhow, it's uncertain where street xylazine is originating today. Again, the 
basic uh, raw materials may be coming from China, but people have said India, Russia, prime suspects. Some may come from domestic manufacturers that supply veterinarians. That's one of the difficulties associated with controlling um, xylazine distribution because of the widespread nature of its use in veterinary practices. It's popular in large animal medicine to allow vets to stitch wounds, grind down molars, treat infected hooves, things like that. So preserving the drug's access for veterinarians while shutting down supplies to drug dealers, well, that might be hard to do. All right, so uh, go ahead and put up the a couple of slides. Oh, on the Sudafed? The last couple of slides there, okay. All right. The fake Sudafed. Fake Sudafed. <laughs> yeah. as, I've, as I've always called right. it. So we're going from a drug that's super powerful and deadly, the ones we've just been talking about now, to a drug that may actually do nothing at all. Uh, this coming fall and winter, I mean, of course, cold and flu season's coming. It's projected to bring waves of all sorts of respiratory illnesses, such as, I don't know, colds, flus, COVID, RSV. I mean, we're, there are all sorts of different things to watch out for these days. And as the season approaches, families are stocking up on medications to take away some of the misery associated with, well, viral infections, right? So one of these medicines is phenylephrine, a popular nasal decongestant that you might have been stocking up on over-the-counter drugs that contain phenylephrine for years. You probably have it in your medicine cabinet right now. But the funny thing is that now there's a panel from the FDA that indicates that you might as well have been taking Skittles. A recent report by the FDA stated that oral phenylephrine, the active ingredient in many nasal decongestants, is ineffective in relieving runny nose. Phenylephrine arrived on the market in 2006 after another decongestant called pseudoephrine, the original Sudafed, was taken off over-the-counter pharmacy shelves. And why was that taken off the, off, off the pharmacy shelves? Because it's an ingredient used in the making of crystal meth. There was a act of Congress called the Combat Methamphetamine Epidemic Act of 2005, and it took pseudoephedrine out of view, and it's no longer, and, and you just can't see it on pharmacy shelves. I'll well, talk you can about, ask for it, right? Uh, we're going to talk about, <laughs> we'll talk about that, but so since they did that, meth use is no longer a problem in the United oh, States. Yeah. Isn't that great? <laughs> Says nobody. Says no one, right? All right. Well, <laughs> All right. So drug companies quickly adjusted to the removal of, of this. As you can see, the manufacturer of Sudafed, uh, which is on the left there in the slide, quickly put out another product with phenylephrine. And they called an, another so-called nasal decongestant. They called it Sudafed P. It looks almost the same as Sudafed. It looks like they just updated the package, but it's an entirely different medication altogether. And all sorts of other med, um, drug companies followed with their own products. and so now there are three new studies that came out, all of which say that phenylephrine has no effect against runny nose and that the old studies were unsound and inconsistent. Mm -hmm. So they said, we get we back? I know, right. For the 20 years of buying the, right. the wrong medicine. That, that's a problem. Now I want to say this, that, that there was actually a citizen petition in 2007 that said, Hey, this stuff doesn't work. And you need to check you need it to out. tell people. But you big, need to tell people it doesn't work. But pressure from big pharma held off the latest reports of these big three big clinical trials for more than fifteen years that before they actually got to the point that there was a panel that looked into it. And so think about it: how much money have American families been spending buying an ineffective drug for that amount of time? There was a consumer survey of a hundred thousand households that said that 
fully half of them had in their medicine cabinet at that moment Mm. a drug of some sort that had phenylephrine in it. Because they have that in all the mixed drugs. now More than 100 grams of them. Right. But I I would like to say one thing. My advice to people, and this is what I've always done for myself, and then when I had little children, and even now I tell my adult children to do this, buy each of your medications separately. Stop buying these combo drugs. And definitely don't buy something that says 24 hour with real Sudafed in it that you're getting behind the counter because 24 hours of real Sudafed, first of all, if you have blood pressure problems, it may may spike your blood pressure. You could end up having a heart attack or God knows what else happened to you. Or you might have a rapid heartbeat, which a lot of people do get from excessive amounts of Sudafed mixed into their other medicines. They don't even know it. And their heart rate is... 110, 120 for hours and hours, which if you're unhealthy could lead to major problems. So buy your single ingredients. If you want Tylenol, buy Tylenol. If you want Advil, buy Advil. If you want a cough medicine, Guaifenesin, buy Guaifenesin, Mucinex. Just buy it all separate. Don't buy these combo drugs. You might not need everything that's in there. Wait a second. If you need Benadryl, buy Benadryl separately. Buy each one of those and only take as much as you need. Maybe you don't need to take this 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 one combo medicine every four hours. Maybe two Sudafed, one in the morning and one at night is good for you. So stop taking these combo medicines. It's just a way for them to rip us all off. And you're taking more of one thing than you may even need. And by the way, you can overdose. And this happened to me with ibuprofen. So be careful how much you're taking with these medicines. So do not like combo medicines. Buy them all separately. And only take what you need. And Go the thing ahead. is that these combo <laughs> medicines that she's talking about, almost all of them use phenylephrine. So Robitussin, Theraflu, Actifed, Vix, Dristan, Excedrin, Dimetap, Mucinix, Dayquil, all the combo drugs that are like cold and congestion or, you know, all, flu, cold and flu. Oh, there's hundreds these, of them combos. All, there are over a hundred of them that contain phenylephrine and the phenylephrine theoretically doesn't work. Now, wait a minute. You might say, hey, it works for me. Now, I tend to be pretty skeptical when the FDA says this or that. I mean, very skeptical, actually. After COVID, we probably learned that less than even more. But I have a tendency to believe this one. And the the reason why, not because I don't personally get an effect when I take phenylephrine, when I've taken phenylephrine in the past, because, but because the big drug companies are so dependent on using this drug in all their combo meds that... FDA and the big pharma, these guys are often partners in crime, but the FDA yeah. taking this drug off the market is going to make a lot of these pharmaceutical companies go nuts and scramble to find some kind of alternative. Too bad. So, you know, this is it. Now, Just take it out and tell everybody to go behind the counter, show your driver's license, sign your name on the piece of paper and buy the real Sudafed. Right. Stop buying this fake crap. It's still, and the original Sudafed, although you won't see it out, out on the shelves, is still considered very effective in the relief of nasal congestion. Always have been available despite it being used in the making of methamphetamine. Just don't ask. Just go to the pharmacist, ask for Sudafedrin. There's the uh, generic version right there. That's the real and, stuff. And don't <laughs> just don't request 10,000 tablets and you probably will be fine. You, you have to bring your driver's license, though, because all Sudafed purchases are indeed documented. You have to sign for them. By the way, Zyrtec is, is fine. Zyrtec is an antihistamine. So that's on the, the side of Claritin, Zyrtec, and Benadryl. Those are all just an antihistamine. The Sudafed is a nasal decongestant. 
So if you're having, let's say, hay fever, so to take care of your hay fever allergy side of it, you're going to take a Zyrtec or a Claritin or Benadryl, according to the box. Claritin's 24 hours, Benadryl's like four to six hours. I think Zyrtec's once or twice a day. I usually take Claritin. But anyway, Sudafed is just for the decongestant. Um, you can try natural stuff first. We love um, steam with uh, eucalyptus. Works really well, or even peppermint. Um, but those are two different things. You can still take them. We have some questions. Why do you think this came out now? I mean, because this hurts everyone involved. I mean, because the, because the 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 data kept coming in rapid fire, mm-hmm. and over the last two two years or three years in this, mm-hmm. with these three three big big uh, sample size uh, clinical trials, I think they just got overwhelmed. And they, they finally couldn't. They finally stop couldn't stop it. Yeah, right. the, the water was coming. They couldn't couldn't dam it up anymore. Now I will say, hey, you know what? You're going to still be able to buy this stuff, this phenylephrine stuff, and oh, all yeah. these all these medicines are still going to be there because still the FDA the itself. I mean, despite the special panel's report, the FDA itself ha- still allows the purchase of phenylephrine products. They're probably going to do some kind of sweetheart deal to give time to these. Drug companies to which go is, ahead and find find an alternative, which, which isn't going to help you this cold and flu season. No, which is because the people who worked in the big pharma work for FDA, and then they go from FDA into big pharma, and they're in bed together. Right. I'm a I'm a big big Fauci fan myself. Oh, yeah. are you? Good um, <laughs> for you. You and him. Wait. You and him should get together. <laughs> so, um, Zyrtec. How can uh, you, we should yeah. keep that on hand? And how long that lasts? Several years. Now, that's that's good for yeah. That will last several years. Yeah, that's but, an antihistamine. But, but that's that's good, especially if your runny nose is related to allergies. Right now, if mm-hmm. your runny nose is related to to being currently sick the pseudoephedrine to me is is better indeed as amy said it, do, it may make there are your two heart different rate category a medicines right. one is for allergies and one is for your decongestant so it depends on why you're having the problem if you have a cold benadryl zyrtec and claritin are probably not going to help you at all because your problem is not allergies you're actually sick so you you may take the decongestant in both situations, but you may not take the antihistamine if it, your problem mm-hmm. is not allergies. Okay, so what that's else? It. So, what is the last one? There's a question. On the, on the who, would you comment on the who pushing a worldwide pandemic treaty that takes away individual <laughs> countries' control over response? Dear God, help us. They they have no, yeah, they, they would like to do that, but they, I, I can't imagine they're having any, any actual enforcement ability on any of that, you know, and anywhere, <laughs> honestly, whether it's especially a, in America, you might, you might be able to get, get away with something like that in Europe, but you won't be able to get away in, in third world countries and probably, and probably not here. <laughs> What's the acronym stomp stand for? Hold on. It's been a long time since I've, I knew that. That's terrible. (laughs) That's a terrible word. We don't. We actually. That's a military word. Stop. It actually isn't even in Google. I don't remember. It's been a long time. But I wasn't in the military. It's kind of weird that someone would ask a question. You probably could tell me. Lloyd, you probably probably could tell us yourself. I know. He's probably, yeah. 
Here it is. With my eyes, I can barely see. SEAL Team Operational Medical yeah. Pack. There we go. SEAL Team Operational Medical Pack. That question will cost. But $5. I wasn't a SEAL, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was, I was born on an Air Force base, but I wasn't actually in the Air Force myself. <laughs> I saw some SEALs at um, in Florida once. You <laughs> <He> did. <laughs> Shamu, well, the well, well was there. Yeah. Jay had a, it was it's a jo world. joke. World. Had, Jay had a joke. Stop the over medication of people. Oh. <laughs> he actually made up an acronym. That's, Jay, that's, yeah. that's genius, Jay. That was I, yep. I like that. I like that. Yep. <sighs> so if you got uh, questions, Zyrtec, go ahead and put your questions. Zyrtec advertises that it's non-sedating. However, it does make a lot of people drowsy when taken at normal dose. I agree. Um it has made me drowsy. What doesn't make me drowsy, interestingly enough, is Claritin. And we actually just started taking some Benadryl because my daughter brought down her dog, her big giant dog, um, and a Great Pyrenees, a big white fluffy dog. But anyway, we started taking Benadryl, and um, it does make us a little tired. I'm surprised it doesn't make us as tired as I thought it would because we haven't taken Benadryl in, I don't know, 20 years at least. Well, Benadryl actually, I think is a really good drug to have well, in, in, the, in your survival medicine cabinet because yes. it can act as in, in as a sleep aid. If you take at the 50, at the yes. 50 milligram yes. dose and we've been on the 25, 25, yeah, right. 25 milligram Kid, dose of antihistamine. It's great for kids as well. I heard. I read. <laughs> <laughs> so, Although I will say there are certain medicines that have opposite um, reactions oh, really? from children versus adults, and some kids can actually get hyperactive Ooh. on Benadryl versus being sleepy. So be careful if you're trying to medicate your kid with Benadryl because you may end up so, with a kid running around in circles. I used to take these little things. I, 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 tell me if I'm wrong. They were in like a, a like a chapstick kind of tube. It was like mm -hmm. Oscillus something, or and it was like little white thing or like pills that would come out into your mouth. No, almost like candy. Oh yeah, that's a that's a um that's an herbal medicine. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I don't anyway. know the whole word of it. Yeah, mm -hmm. actually comes a little. Pill yeah, like but that. it's no. I know what he's talking about. I had those. I know. What okay, about. if you got questions, let us know in the chat room. We are here all night long. <laughs> I'm gonna be putting some Barry White on here in a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> We're old now. Yeah. We're old. This is like way past our bedtime. Little old man. We should be watching Resident Alien or Twisted. What's the other one? Twisted Metal we're Twisted watching. Metal. Yeah, what else of, we've been watching? Lots of good shows. Someone said that they watched someone do um, Benadryl and it's like a they got hyper. Yeah, I've never seen the hyper thing. If I'd have known that, I mean, we never gave our kids Benadryl. No. That's not what good parents do. I mean, unless no. the kid's sick. If the kid's sick, yes. But just a normal child that you want to go to sleep, you don't drug them. Warm milk. That's what warm milk is for. Mm, or yes. some turkey. <laughs> mm -hmm. Actually, the best thing is just to run them around during the day, and then they fall out at night. They'll go to sleep. You just got to wear them out. Yeah, Get this is energy. what I used to take right here. That's it. Yes, yes, that's it. How do you pronounce yes, that? That's it. Don't ask me that. I don't no. know. Come on, doctor. I don't know too much. No, about it's an herbal. It's okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't know anything about. Yeah. It. 
Um, That's the thing is the thing is you have to know what you don't know. I'm sure I have that in our store. For heart pain and discomfort. Oh, the cayenne cayenne pepper. Um, you have it as a tincture, don't you? Yes, I have it by the bedside and in my purse. And when we travel, we take it in case um, he starts having. In case I keel over. Or me, I guess I could have a heart attack too. But yeah, it's good for an angina. That's I don't not allowed. Care. That's not allowed, Amy. I know, right? <laughs> Um, let's see here. What's another, uh, best. Oh, um, for allergies, what's the best Allegra or generic, you know, we've always used Claritin, but I'll tell you what, my daughter swears by Allegra. Mm. She started using Allegra and she has allergies like I do. So I don't know. I'm going to try Allegra. So maybe. I mean, I have one person that said Allegra is better than Claritin, but we have used Claritin for 26 years. Right. Yeah. Until, like I said, a little Benadryl recently. So I've never been, had any allergies, but now that I am 32, um, <laughs> when, I mow the, when I mow the grass, sometimes I'll, I'll get a reaction. My eyes will water, my nose will run. Yeah, I've never had problems with allergies until I hit my 40s. Yeah. Okay. Then then it it came on with. It came on. uh, I think I can remember. Swell, your nose would be red, and water would just be pouring out of him. Just like, just like a. It would happen. It was crazy. It would happen in the middle of surgery. (laughs) It happened in the middle of us seeing patients. With with my mask on, I'd be in the middle of surgery, and I'd be be Mm -hmm. just filling up my mask with. with Oh, it was terrible. Yeah. Mucinex DC. I don't want anyone to buy anything like that. Wait, that is a combo drug. That's what I was just talking about. Buy your Mucinex guaifenesin separate and buy your Sudafed. What that D is standing for is Sudafed. A real Sudafed, not the Sudafed mm-hmm. fake stuff. When I say Sudafed, I mean the real stuff. So that's what that D stands for. Anything with the D. There's Claritin D. There's Mucinex D. All this stuff with the D in it, those are... are Combo drugs, they might be 12 hour, they might be 24 hour. They've got way more Sudafed, sorry, than you want, than you need. <laughs> Take it separately. Separate karate chop all your medicines. So I know it's a pain, but take them separately. Know your categories I, and what you need. If you can substitute natural, please do. I love natural stuff. I have salves, we have tinctures, we have so many essential oils. Um, I make him chamomile tea when he's sick with honey and lemon and we do what we can naturally. We have a steam thing in our shower now. Um, I want some fire mountain. Eucalyptus where the steam What's the fire out. mountain stuff? The Where's fire the it's like fire mountain or whatever. It's this all it's this I don't know what it is. But anyway, so this drug here, this this oh, I've got some of this and I, I guess that's pretty good. So let me ask you guys this. Um Let's see if there's any other questions here. Um, what what are we gonna what are we experience this this winter? Are we gonna have is is COVID going to hit us again? Big you're, gonna time? A, you're gonna have a, what what they call a tridemic. You're gonna have respiratory syncytial virus. You're gonna have influenza, and you're gonna have COVID. And there, none of them are going to be in massive quantities. Though you know in in numbers that were in anywhere near what they were warned in the pandemic, but they're, they're definitely going to be there and they're going to be all three of them. So I, I call that a tridemic, but uh, I'm, I'm looking at the different types 
subtypes of, of COVID, for example, that's out there. And it does not appear as if it's uh, the, as, as the, if the ones that are out there right now are really any of the most dangerous types. Okay. Most virulent. Not a pandemic. Okay. We're not, we're not going to be locked um, down. Yes, they we're not going to let ourselves yeah, be yes, locked they, down. They become endemic, endemic not, yes. not 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 pandemic. Absolutely. So okay, it's something that's there all in the, there in the background. All you know, time. we were just talking about medicines, and when you Fire just mentioned, <clears throat> you just mentioned um, <clears throat> if we were going to have a pandemic or or whatever. I just want to tell people what we've been taking for um, prevention. We've never had COVID. I don't know if there's a lot of people out there that can say that. Um, but we take vitamin D, 10,000 units every single day. Um, we take vitamin C. We take what? One to 2,000 every day. Mm-hmm. If yep. we're exposed, we take a lot more, a lot more D and a lot more C. We take um, a vitamin B complex every single day. We take um, CoQ10. We take um, what else are we taking, honey? The, the other ones. Co-Q-10. Oh, I said CoQ10. Quercetin. Oh, quercetin every single day. Mm-hmm. Zinc. We take, is that 50? Zinc. Is that 50? Mm-hmm. A yep. 50 milligram every day. Again, that goes up if we think we're going to be around people that might have COVID in crowds or, or you know, conferences, some places where we're going to have a lot of people near us. Um, Do y'all not take real- abermectin? Yes, we actually we do. We I actually just, we just took it a few days ago. I just did. Yeah. What? What? Where were we? We were in. Um, we were at a talk or something. Yeah, and there were a ton of people there, and it was the best thing. I'm so glad we did. Where were we? My brain's dead. Yeah, I took some. <laughs> we just had prepper camp, and I took some before and after. Yes. So. Yes. Right. Yeah. There. If you go to flccc dot org, that's the uh, front line critical. COVID critical care mm-hmm. alliance, mm-hmm. and uh, they'll they'll tell you exactly how to take the right. uh, the ivermectin. I think we they take also thirty have a list. milligrams. Yeah, they every have, day. Right. They also for have a, few a list. Days. They also have a list of doctors that prescribe it regularly with televisits and stuff like that. Well, now that pharmacies have to fill it. Before well, they don't. Like- Not in North Carolina and in Tennessee, they have to go to the the real pharmacists that the ones that will mix stuff together or whatever, but compounds. Yeah. Yeah. Because you, you just can't go to like a Rite Aid even in in Tennessee, it's over the counter. Yes. Mm -hmm. I just had um, people within the last 30 days go to drive mountain city, Tennessee or somewhere. It's called something lab near Johnson city, but yeah, not everyone could get a compounding pharmacy. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now we have in North Carolina uh, a lady that we're working with that if you need any of this stuff, you can call them and she can prescribe it through like telehealth mm-hmm. and she charges like, like, I don't know. I think the appointments like, oh, I don't know, $75 or something, which is pretty so cheap. Lee, Lee was asking, uh, Lee was just asking that. And so that sounds like a good source right there. Mm-hmm. But in Tennessee, you can get it over the counter. In North Carolina, you cannot. Hmm. Interesting. So, yep. I got mine in the middle of the pandemic, like from a somebody who worked at a vet's office. Mm. 
I think so everybody I got, we had to keep it like on the down low, <laughs> you know, like I think don't tell anybody our names, like oh send your cash in the envelope. No, it wasn't that bad, but <laughs> I think it felt like that. Uh, people are talking about zinc there. I think zinc sulfate is uh, sulf sulfate is one of the ways that you can get a good amount of elemental elemental zinc. I think that's I think it's two hundred and twenty five milligrams. I think it has fifty milligrams of elemental zinc. Lee, that's what we follow the FLCC. I have that printed <laughs> out. I have actually a drawer in my bathroom that's nothing but COVID. Mm -hmm. It's my testing, all my my supplements, the extra stuff, the ivermectin. Everything that we need if we get COVID is in that one drawer. And those yep. instructions are printed out and sitting right at the top of that drawer when I pull it open. So we know exactly know what to do. I sent a lot of people to Insulin Hub, which someone posted that earlier. Um, they're in England. You fill out a form. They prescribe it. They send it right to you. You don't pay for it until it arrives in your box. And I sent so many people to that. I got, I literally, I didn't even know this was going on until halfway through the pandemic. They called me and says, well, Forrest, your account is building up. And I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, oh, we've been keeping track of it. And you got like $4,000 credit to buy. I'm like, what? Wow. And, and so I sent so many people, but it's insulin hub at PrepperNet. Use the name PrepperNet. <laughs> I, I haven't. I, I I haven't seen anybody there in a long time, but how about hydroxychloroquine? I know that um, I know hydroxychloroquine and um, and ivermectin I think are in the same family, but I read that hydroxychloroquine stays in your body twenty seven days, so you don't need to take it ongoing like you do ivermectin. Is that true, false, or what do you yeah. think? The ivermectin is something you would take for a daily for for a while if, if you really were exposed, you know, uh, to to you knew you were exposed to someone with COVID. Twenty seven. The hydrochloroquine. Wow, that sounds like a long time for a medicine for it to stay, stay in your system. In your system. I, but the hydrochloroquine is is definitely less frequent. Use that less frequently. It. Someone said I look bored. Talking to the doctor, nurse. This isn't an exciting stuff. This is not, um, you know. Hey, wait! I was well, very I mean, excited. We were excited talking about body armor. Home. Hey, I'm. Hey, I'm excited about your your home yeah, business. Yeah, you had that body body armor on for I'm, hours. I'm excited about your home business uh, thing. Oh yeah, that's coming up. Hey, seminar. tell me about that. Yeah, this actually says that it can stay in your body for up to three months. Yeah. See, and so wow. you don't need to take yeah, it as very much. Long acting. Yeah. Hey, um, speaking, of, I did not, I, I promise you sent me the slides and I'm like, huh, okay. Body armor. He must have the wrong name on that or something. <laughs> I honestly did not know until I uploaded. I'm like, he's going to talk about body armor. I had no idea. And I'm like, this is going to be good. One of the best, one of the best ways for you to deal with people, uh, people in, in terms of dealing with ballistic trauma is to not get ballistic trauma. Yes, yeah, so, so I so do have a recommendation for people. I um so a company called KT Armor has been very good to, to PrepperNet, and that's key. It's um uh it's C A T I K T, and it stands for Come and Take It, and that's how they came up with the name. Uh -huh. And um I have. 
three sets of their on uh, the uh, I think it's is it five oh or not five oh one? That's jeans. Whatever the the I got three sets with this the this spawn material so it doesn't you know kill you. That but I do have a KD armor and then I have I do also so they weigh a ton. I mean it's like carrying a Mack wow. truck around. And I also have a ceramic for myself. Ceramic. What level is it again? Um, the KD armor is like level four. It has stopped wow. just about yeah. anything. And and I've got the side plates. I got the growing. I mean, if you could, I got the whole thing and you wow. put that sucker on, I can walk to the street maybe. And I'm like, I need to take a break, you know? <laughs> um, but, but then I have the, in my car, I have my um, ceramic, much lighter. I can just throw it on real quick and run. But if you get if I get shot in the head or the sides or in the groin, I'm in trouble. But yes, yeah, it, what's it, it's five thirteen. What is that? No, I don't know. But yeah, someone put the link there, Kitty Armor, up there. But yeah, that's yeah, what I yeah. have, and I have three sets because I have kids and 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 people. Here's a question here, Cassandra. By, yes. By the way, we're seeing good good advice from uh, from people in the comment section. We want you to make sure you keep them coming because you know we really appreciate uh, you uh, giving us your experience. That's that's uh, important for us. We learn we learn every day too. Cold prevention. Yes, that's in our book, and we, I have I put in our book the things that you take to prevent or treat. And I'm trying to find the page. <laughs> I don't have my. We we cover on. a lot. We cover a lot a of lot stuff. Of and stuff. I, and we hey, what you. she's looking? What she's looking for that doctor? Um, what about shedding the vaccine? Is that possible? I've heard people say that you can kind of get that out of your system. Is that possible? So uh, there are vaccines that are live attenuated vaccines that you can get that from, and it's uh, polio. Um, hold on, not polio. Um, what was it? And what about the COVID? MMR, MMR, measles, mumps, rubella, um, chicken pox is live attenuated. Um, the rotavirus. So basically, so yeah, those you can. I mean, it's possible. It's probably not going to happen very frequently. Depends on the individual who got the vaccine. Um, but I'll tell you what, I do think that the way these vaccines were made for COVID that triggered our immune system to make a COVID protein that then we reacted to, it makes sense in my mind that if I've got some COVID floating in my body that my body's now reacting to and producing the antibodies for, that just maybe that was going to come off of me. Now, how long? A couple weeks. I don't think people are walking around months and years later that had vaccines that are shedding anything that you're going to give other people. I think that would be really weird unless you're, was it typhoid Mary? That person that never got better, who always shedded. She never got sick. actually. No, she she never got sick and she she never got better, but she was always contagious. And you know, whether there's someone out there that that happened to with this crazy vaccine, one of the vaccines, or maybe someone got four boosters. I don't know. But a typical person who got a vaccine, I don't think they're shedding any kind of COVID. I just don't. I don't believe it. But I do believe they could because 
you'll, you won't read that anywhere. You won't be able to Google that and say, oh, you know, if you got the COVID vaccine, can you transmit COVID to someone else? They're, no, 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 no. They've scrubbed that. If anybody wrote about that or even had a theory that I'm saying, it's gone from the internet. You won't see it anywhere. They, if it was on a YouTube video, it's been taken off. If, you know, if they see this, they'll probably take this off. Um, but that's my feeling. I can't prove it. That's what I think that, yes, people can shed if they have a vaccine, the actual COVID virus for a short period of time, but not forever. That's my feeling. That's the word. And I don't think anyone should ever get another one of these COVID vaccines if they got any ever. You trying to get us canceled? What are you doing here? I can't say that. (laughs) I'm I'm anti-COVID vaccine. Bad. COVID vaccine bad. Mm. You don't, you don't then and it now is hydroxychloroquine pres- yes it is prescription yes yes it is yes yep yep um how about this what does this one say it says not worry about the uh, worry about the m m m a mrna which is the, oh, the vaccines oh yeah my my screen's small yep so um okay prevent prevent it you were looking up Prevention, Nurse Amy. For what? Oh, on my page. <laughs> oh, well, I got, I got sidetracked a little bit. Okay. So I'm, sh- I'm sure in just a second, everyone's going to put down all their own essential oils, all their yeah. own preventions. We love, I love, we love hearing. Well, it's not, it's that. not about the essential oils. It was about you know what our protocol was that we've done since. I mean, we've taken these things for a long time, but we specifically took certain ones. We added the uh, quercetin, quercetin. Mm-hmm. Where is that page? All right. I have to look here. Excuse me. You know what? You know, saying, let me tell you something. When, about, you, when you write about 200 different medical topics, it honestly. I have too many pages. And, and that's how many topics we actually cover in, in this book. <sighs> it's hard to say that we actually. It's hard to actually memorize every page. Or every word that that's there. Some some of it is, I don't know is what related page this to. Is on. I thought it was early. Is to related to our doing research on it, and then we write about it, and then sometimes we're not asked about it for <sighs> five years, for or or six or seven Seconds? years. So sometimes we we have to go back and refer to our own stuff. Eighty-eight. Well, you can they can buy the book, look yes. it up themselves. Oh, here it is. Okay, so on page eighty-eight. So I had a whole list of herbs that you can take when you're sick there. Awesome. And then, oh, okay. Well, turmeric, oregano, elderberry, ginger, cinnamon, um, echinacea, golden I just, seal. Just, I, just I mean, there's a, a whole list. I just wrote an article on elderberry that's going to be on in Backwards Home Magazine uh, in the spring. And, and then we said, and then we had our, our regimen. And this was our way to communicate what we thought people should take you know, to prevent COVID, but we couldn't say that in the book because they wouldn't have published the book if we said the word COVID there. Zinc, 50 to 100 milligrams per day. The uh, quercetin, 500 milligrams once or twice a day. At the same time, you take the zinc. Um, Vitamin C, 1,000 to 2,000. Um, Honestly, if you think you're getting this, I I would take 5,000 to 10,000, honestly. It's water soluble. Whatever your body doesn't need is going to mm-hmm. come right out. It comes out in your urine. And then the vitamin D3, 
5,000, which actually we also take with uh, K2. We take D3 and mm-hmm. K2 together. Um, we say 5,000 or more. So right. 10,000 We take 10,000 is what we take currently every day. So when, when BG Beth's getting ready to get the shingles, um, Uh-oh. I guess she's planning for it. I'm just reading, I'm reading this wrong on purpose. Um, she's worried about the, the MRNA. Is there, I've heard, I heard from a good doctor friend, do not get the shingle virus. People, and I haven't either. And I agree with you. And I have, you mean you're not, not, not I've heard you said don't get the vaccine. That's the vaccine. Don't yeah, get right. the vaccine. Yeah. I've heard yes. a million horror stories with regards to it. And your chances, your chances are one in three that you're going to get shingles, but you know, it doesn't have to be a bad case of it. And, uh, and one out of three is, Still, two out of three people are not going to get it. So, and I've heard like one out of fifty people die. Yeah, I, I made I that up. Heard, I haven't heard that. that no. I haven't, I haven't he's heard. Just making I have, I know, he's I not even heard, trying to Google it. He's just making it up. I haven't heard. I haven't heard that. <laughs> oh, you haven't heard? Okay. I'll tell you one thing. You know, if you do get shingles, it'll make you miserable. But if you take the vaccine, there's a chance you can get you can get it also. I think I might die without ever having another vaccine the rest of my life. Hey, is it true I think that I've heard that like 98% of the people that drink water die? <laughs> is that true? Uh, no, it's wrong. It's 100%. Oh, wrong. It's, oh wow. And wow. it starts the second you're born. The time starts ticking. <laughs> hey, this, this question is directed to, um, to Nurse Amy. Can y'all see it? The prenatal pills? Yeah. Yeah, I mean... So basically, the prenatal pills are just mu- a bunch of multivitamins. There's one particular thing in there. As long as you are eating a good diet and taking multivitamins your whole life, you should take those whether you're getting pregnant or not, is iron. iron. The reason you need extra iron, and that's the big thing in the prenatal vitamins, there's more iron than in a regular multivitamin with iron, is because you produce 50% more blood volume when you're pregnant, that's a lot of extra blood. And guess what you need to fill up that blood is you need iron right, to produce these red blood, cells. red blood cells. So you need iron. Okay. Because of that. So you don't necessarily need the prenatal vitamins, but you need multivitamins. And again, you can do those all separately like we do, but you have to add the iron and it's a pain because it causes constipation. Some people have a lot of GI problems from it. If you don't take it with food, which you're not supposed to take it with food, you're supposed to take it with orange juice because it helps to um, help mm-hmm. it um, be absorbed better. You know, it, it can tear your stomach up. So, unfortunately, but, you know, you can eat enough iron if you pay attention. You know, if you're into liver and these high iron sources, um, a lot of spinach. <laughs> then, you know, maybe you can eat enough, but I highly doubt it. So most pregnant women do need to take an iron supplement. And again, that can be separate. And and at the same time, men need to drink a lot of beer. Oh, (laughs) would you like a nurse practitioner to prescribe that for you? Is that, was it? If the woman's pregnant, I'm getting in trouble here. Did you want to take? That's the thing that I shouldn't say. Let me write that down. I'll say one to two beers per day. (laughs) Okay. We'll we'll call it one to two beers per day. To answer uh, uh, TS's question about uh, hydrochloroquine and uh, 
and arthritis indeed is known to be helpful for arthritis. Uh, and that's from the American College of Rheumatology. I still so. had constipation with those prenatal vitamins. Mm. Oh, yeah. Well, I iron, didn't go. No, iron constipation. I, I know, but this says that, that they're coded, they don't cause constipation. I'll tell you what, yeah, well, my prenatal vitamins, I didn't go for days. So I don't know if they've come up with some miracle drug, but. Yeah. Mary, Mary had no problem with uh, the Shingrix. I have to tell you, there are a lot of people that do fine. They don't have any after, problem. After the, the Shingrix vaccine. And there are other people that it, it like changes their life, you know, for the worse. So uh, it's hard, to, hard to say you're either going to do fine with it or you're, or you're not. And uh, there's a, there's a portion is. of people who take anything, you know, the simplest thing. Like I said, I had an overdose from ibuprofen. My tongue swelled. I had to go to the hospital and get epinephrine so I could breathe. It was that bad. Now, Jackie's right in Tennessee that, so, you know, if you actually cook with iron, uh, cast iron. Yes, which I cook. Okay. That's the you only get, thing we you cook get, with. You get, you get iron. Yes, and that's why my So there's a question on the screen iron. for you guys. You see the question I highlighted, put it on the video a screen. Natural, oh, up there. Relief or treatment for fibromyalgia. That is like oh. one of the toughest toughest mm -hmm. things that you're going to find. Any uh, Anything that's um, anti-inflammatory. Yeah. People, Those are what you need. I've seen people that use Arnica. And I've seen people that... Um, use um what is the dmso mm -hmm. and and it, it's really tough i think it is a tough there are a lot a lot there's a lot we don't know about fibromyalgia yet and uh, Wait, it's really last terrible. question how many people have it last questions on the screen from gina w. what is the hesitancy i don't to not give hydrochloroquine to patients with coronary artery disease or high cholesterol i don't know the answer to that I I, we didn't investigate that one because we had the ivermectin. Yeah. So uh, I didn't really look into that ourselves. I don't know why. And we didn't have be. to prescribe that as in our practice. Can, can I make a statement that's going to be very controversial? Yes. Okay. I'm putting, I've put many things together. And hydroxychloroquine makes your body alkalined. Okay. What can't grow in an alkaline body? Cancer. See, I don't think you can actually make your body alkaline because I'm going to tell you why, because our bodies are in constant. It is constantly trying to balance ourselves. That's why we put things out in our kidneys. That's, that's why we, we flush that out. Our bodies are constantly trying to even things. That's why when you have blood work, uh -huh. Everyone has a typical range of red blood cells, white blood cells, calcium, potassium. All of these things are in range because our bodies are constantly buffering. Mm -hmm. So, so here's I the don't question. believe you can maintain a state like that. Well, here's the question. And I heard this from the leading lupus doctor in the world out of California. He asked the question. Why don't lupus patients get cancer? His answer was because they're all on hydroxychloroquine. Interesting. I didn't know that statistic. That's interesting. That is interesting. I, I heard that with my own two ears from him and no one else's. Uh, interesting here that uh, 
there was a question about hydrochloroquine and and coronary artery disease, as in, as if uh, there are doctors that are are reluctant to give it in people with coronary artery disease. But uh, I, I've read that hydroxychloroquine may actually be beneficial for people with coronary artery disease. So it's so it's just amazing what how um, you wind up getting contradictory right, right. information from for all sorts of different things, you know, that and that the same medicine used for in this in different people will be good for some and good for and and bad for others. It's it's amazing how how little we actually really know. Well, I tell you what, it's been two hours and we can go on <laughs> for that, right? <laughs> I've got a rash I want to show you guys. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've, seen, we've seen a lot of the, a lot of your rashes. If Morris. it's dry, <laughs> put moist on it, and if it's moist, <laughs> it's dry. Dermatology school. They go to school for years and years and years, and that's the basic information that they get. <laughs> well, we want to thank hey, you tell us for for having us on and. Uh, you tell know, us we, about your book and tell us your website and your podcast. And I know you guys reply in on the .NET site to people as well. So just give us all your, your digits. Yeah, you'll find us, uh, you know, number one, we're active uh, on PrepperNet. If, you have, if you're not on PrepperNet yet, uh, not, not a member, definitely join PrepperNet ASAP. Also uh, check out uh, Forrest's book and books, many books, books many books, many books. And, uh, and his, his seminar coming up, I think, is going to be really exciting, uh, the home-based business one. And But I, I'll say about us, you can find all our, all our stuff at doomandbloom.net. You can, find our, you can find some quality medical kits, some of them one of a kind, uh, at uh, store.doomandbloom.net. And uh, we're, we, we, we sign them all. We have them, um, right, on uh, Facebook, we're the Survival Medicine Group. You can friend me personally at Joe Alton MD if you want, and we're happy happy to have more friends. Um, Twitter, we're at at Prepper Show. You can find us there. A YouTube channel is Dr Bones Nurse Amy. We have probably three hundred or so videos there. So anyway, and and our podcast is the Survival Medicine Hour. It's been going on for gosh, we probably have had five hundred of those. Yeah, since two thousand ten. You know, yeah, well, probably more. Thirteen than, years, and, and October. More. Oh, it's more. October first. Then more. No, so. it's we're exactly thirteen years. Then right. thirteen years. We did it in October two thousand ten. Was our first show. Now, I will say one thing that you know there are times that we may not be the absolute experts on every single question that that is asked of us, and we we admit that we learn every day from you yep. guys too. And we thank you so much for your input because you've made so you made such a difference in our lives and we appreciate your confidence and we, we hope to, you know, be able it's to true. merit it, it by trying to help you get more prepared medically for times of trouble. Absolutely. And if you guys ask us questions in like Facebook or write to us, Oh, oh. by the way, our email is drbonespodcast at AOL, because we're old, AOL.com. OLD.com. AOL.com. <laughs> Dr. Bones Podcast at AOL.com. If you guys ask us questions and we happen to not know at that moment, we will research. That's right. We have a lot of old 1800s, 1700s medical books. I we mean, have a huge collection. Unbelievable of medical books. All, all around. We'll us. find the, the ancient answer to the question. 
before there was all this modern technology, what did they do? And is it still effective? Would it work when we don't have electricity? We don't have all this fancy stuff because that's the solutions that we would like to give people thinking, you know, outside the box because everything in the hospital, you know, there's a lot of people that know about that, but there's not too many people that think about, okay, well, what if that's not here and I don't have electricity and I don't have that fancy machine broken. And that's where we try to come in and be that intermediary of, and if we don't know the answer to your exact question, we'll try to figure it out. We'll see what was done and think about, will that work today? Yeah. It's still effective. Awesome. Hey, thank you guys for joining me. It's good seeing you guys again. You guys are always awesome. And you, you bring, you bring the good stuff. You bring the good stuff. So y'all join, y'all join on, on, um, Facebook, their podcast. I'm trying to play my music here. Was it not playing? There we go. But Hey, thank you guys so much. And you can dance the way out tonight, but Hey, thank you guys. See you guys. Bye everyone. (laughs) Thanks for listening to the prepping Academy podcast. Preppers unite at www.preppingacademy.com. Are you a prepper or homesteader looking to connect with like-minded people in your area? Looking to start your own preparedness group? Already have a group? Well, look no further than PrepperNet. PrepperNet is dedicated to personal responsibility, individual freedoms, and being self-reliant. PrepperNet has monthly meetings in over 100 cities where you can meet and learn with like-minded people in your area. PrepperNet, where preppers unite. Find us online at PrepperNet.com.